I think that the thing about cash, I had a business once, one of my dumpster fires was a business I raised some money for. And Mm -hmm. I had a smart friend who's got like multiple degrees and we had a spreadsheet and it looked like a rocket. It looked like a hockey stick. It was like our spreadsheet showed us making money slowly. And then all of a sudden, lots of money. Guaranteed. And I was like, this thing's going to be amazing. Uh, And I was like, this is going to be fantastic. And we had no plan about how we were going to get customers. We didn't have a a direct (laughs) to customer path and uh, burned a whole bunch of cash, lost money. It was a catastrophe lost my investors. I ended up taking out a second mortgage to pay back my investor. I was just, I felt terrible because it was friends of mine. I was like, I just, I'm not that kind of guy. So after that, I was like, I will always gravitate towards find the customer first. If you can't find customers and there's no point adding money to something if, and maybe that's wrong and I think small, but, and then it makes you more creative. Having a lack of cash makes you have to be creative. It's a great constraint when you can just write a check or bring people like it's so much waste. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. This is part three of my conversation with Ron Butler on the Angry Mortgage Broker podcast. You can check him out on YouTube and follow him on Twitter. Ron is an awesome dude. In this episode, I talked to Ron about what is the sign of an entrepreneur what kind of numbers you should be focusing on if you want to be a successful entrepreneur. We also dive into why you need to buy tech and not build it and why there's obsession with building tech for mortgage brokers and mortgage brokerages. And in most cases, it's a terrible idea. Stick to mortgage brokering, stick to building people and the marketing. At least that's my opinion. Have a listen. And before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform designed specifically for Canadian borrowers. It's very easy for borrowers to use. It's got some cool features for the broker. It's got smart docs, so it automatically knows what documents the client needs when they hit submit, so the client can then start uploading them to you. It's got connection to Lender Spotlight, which means you can search all the rates and guidelines. And finally, it's got smart submission notes, so as you go hit submit, it's actually pulling the key data from the app to make it easy for your lender to say yes. Check them out at lendescom Finmo, and check out this conversation I have with Ron. All right. So what do you feel are the big challenges facing just the, not necessarily mortgages or housing or anything else? What are the challenges that face mortgage brokers and agents in the next couple of years? What are the big challenges we're up against? Well, I, I think that the banks have obviously become a lot more competitive in the last Ooh. bit. Like back when I started, it was like, oh, we're not touching that. And you'd just be like, you'd feel like a rock star because you could go beat them and mm-hmm. they would not play ball. Now they come in and they want to cut the legs over from under you. So I think it's going to be more competitive from a, like a rate perspective and you know there's stuff that the branch will do that we can't do and but yep. quite conversely there's stuff yep. that we can do that they can't do yep so you have to really understand like pick a pond that you can fish in that you have a competitive advantage like i never used to do long-term rate holds on pre-builds forget it like there's no point in me trying to tell someone i'm going to hold a rate for two years because like on those oh, i don't think you can you can't but yeah, that's what i'm that's saying it. so like don't even go in there like why bother even like that's so you've got to get better at that as a mortgage broker i think that other challenges will be that the people who are rapidly adopting the new technology to improve efficiencies will have a you know slight competitive advantage i think if it's like guy who was building houses using a hammers and nails versus an air compressor nailer like he's just faster he just can get more done and you'd be like how does this guy seem to run circles around me well he's just using a better tool stack i think that's going to make a difference i think that, you know, in terms of the market, like if you look back over history, there's always periods where the market sucks and some great companies and people come out of those markets. So it's a rounding error in the long grand scheme of things in terms of if you're doing the right things. But a lot of times people, they get lazy and they don't want to do it. So I think the market's going to be challenging, but it always is. Everybody's in the same market. So that's irrelevant. 
And then consumer sentiment, obviously, like if you look at in the US, they've got some banks that have gone under this created some like mistrust, at least in the US of some of the smaller guys and money moving to the bigger guys in Canada, I don't think we have that issue to the same degree. But yeah, I don't know, like, I think it's exciting. Honestly, when I think of AI in particular, it's slightly terrifying and also exciting. It's like, this could be like radically change everything or it could be but I'm like, I'm going to adopt and use it as much as I can rather than be run over by the new technology, right? So last example on that farmer who used to use a horses to plow field and then tractors came along and the farmer who didn't want to learn to use a tractor because it's like, well, I don't want to have to learn how to fix it. And there's all these other things. He could plow six times as much as a set of horses. We have new technology coming and people who don't want to adopt it are going to have a disadvantage. And so I think that brokers need to look at ways to adopt technology and harness it and don't try to build it. I think building technology is that's a fool's game. If you're a mortgage broker, just use other people's stuff because you will not be able to out compete these guys. They're way too smart. They're way too funded. Just use what's off the shelf. And that's my thoughts on that. So, well, we got to avoid Skynet becoming self-aware, right? I mean, we really got to avoid the IA deciding one day. I don't think you, I, you guys are, yeah, you're a virus. We need to get rid of you. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, I, I, that, we're so, just going to keep a few of you around to polish the equipment and get rid of all the yes, rest of exactly. So, yeah, to like, yeah. to mine for equipment for us. I, I think about shit like that. I really do. When the guy told me that, oh yeah, by the way, AI has hallucinations too. They just make up lies mm-hmm. as an answer. I thought to myself, is that a little too human? I mean, like, seriously, that's... Yeah, AI had too much to drink last yeah. night. And now it's like, oh man, my answers today are terrible. I do like the idea that you have to rise to the challenge. I do like the idea that, you know, you have to accept change because everybody who's desperately fought change has failed. Yeah. Best thing you said is, don't build it yourself. No. Fucking stupid, right? No. Again, you've tried so much. You've tried so many different things. You've tried so many experiments. You've learned the same way I learned. Don't build it yourself. Don't build it. Like AI first came out, I'll be completely frank. I started down this path and then I quickly realized I'm like, pulled the plug on it very quickly. I'm like, there are people so far ahead of me that have an understanding of this. It'd be like, it's like when we see these tech guys come into the mortgage space, I'm like, those guys are going to get their asses handed to them. I'm going to their space and I'm not going to win in their arena either. Like they understand that arena. And so like one last thought on that. So when I was at Rocket Mortgage, I was like, what do you guys use for a tech stack? What is your CRM? Like Salesforce. I'm like, why do you use Salesforce? They got an army of developers and yeah. they're like, yeah. it is the biggest CRM in the world. And it, we can't out Salesforce, Salesforce. And if there's any tool that we want to use, somebody's already built it. We can flip a switch and we can have access to it instantly. Why are we going to build something that that's someone else's profession? So I think it's a fool as a mortgage broker to think you're going to build, you know, very, very few people build tools that are actually going to compete against what's out there. I have no interest in that. I'm just like, let's assemble them. Then you can be nimble. Like, okay, this tool is not working. Switch in another tool. Like, you can be way more nimble if you use tools rather than trying to build tools. Yeah, and don't even adapt tools. Like seriously, like wait till something is fully finished. Yes, we've completely finished the adaptation for the mortgage marketplace of this tool. Okay, are you sure? Yes. Well, I'm still going to wait a year till your license fee comes down because right. honestly, we need low cost associated with this too. Scott took a picture of my chair today when he came by our office. Yes, I'm going to post okay. it. It's pretty rough looking. It is the worst. You wouldn't get $2 for that in the yard. No, you would, not. you would not. Nobody would pay $2. Maybe because it was yours. People now, like, hold on a second. You, yeah. I got to finish the story of what, why that chair is special. Okay. That chair was very, very expensive 15 years ago because it is one of the few chairs designed to hold up a person over 300 pounds for many, many years. That You right. actually had to order that from a special place that just suits fat people like seriously i read the advertisement for it it said if you're over 400 pounds don't worry this will keep you sitting it will not collapse you'll be fine and it will last for years okay so the real truth behind it is it's comfortable it does 
deal with my 300 pound existence, mm -hmm. okay? but I'm not going to buy another one because another one's like $2,800, $3,500. So it just looks like rat shit. Right. This chair. It just looks terrible. Okay. Yeah. But hey, there's it a reason behind it. It's it up to the hype if it's been 15 years and it's 15 still years supporting this huge ass of mine <laughs> through the whole time. No flaws, no problems. Like it looks like it's disintegrating, but it is holding just up. The my, arms, arms. It, it is holding up my huge ass the whole time. And look, the truth of it is that and you know this because I've listened to you, I've listened to many of your podcasts and you don't talk about it every podcast, but you often circle back to it. OK, that the other thing about running a business is watching your expenses. Because I don't think there's any venture capital money pouring no, 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 no. checks down on no, bricks, right? No. Okay. Absolute no venture capital money pouring money down on our situation here. You and I know people who venture capitalists poured money down on. By the way, let's say something about Rocket. There's some guys that I ridicule relentlessly. <coughs> ridicule endlessly. Like I never give up on some of these companies that I ridicule. Fine. <coughs> So yeah, that I do that sometimes. Yeah. I don't your show. You can do it too. Well. I do whatever the hell I yeah. want, but don't ridicule the rocket guys because mm -hmm. I've talked to some of them. The leadership group there actually has a sort of an interest in the whole bro like people at some of these other companies pretend they're not in the mortgage brokerage business. They pretend mm -hmm. they're fintech companies. Well, interestingly, you're funding mortgages with banks and others or in your own lender or CMHC mortgages yourselves. But so why are you pretending you're not in the mortgage brokerage business? But oh no, we're a fintech company. Okay, whatever. Yeah, that helps with the VCs. That helps explain why you keep losing money. Right. You know, that helps. But I like Rocket Guys because the leadership team there, if you want to talk to them, they'll talk to you. If you want to visit them, you can visit them. If you want to ask them how they work or ask them questions. Oh, or, they've been very gracious. They yeah. are active participants in the mortgage brokerage industry, Okay, mm -hmm. which I like. I like a lot. Okay. Because if you want to pretend you're not really in the mortgage brokerage industry, as a mortgage broker, I don't have any time for you. Like, right. Like, F you. Okay. Like, don't pretend you're something you're not. All right. But we do have come to notice that there is just a lot of money being spent on human beings at those companies, right? There's a big, big payroll. Oh, yeah. At for all sure. these companies. It would terrify okay? me. I'll be, I'm not going to lie to you. If I had to face that payroll, I'd be doing something else pretty darn quick. I think that the thing about cash, I had a business once. One of my dumpster fires was a business I raised some money for. And mm -hmm. I had a smart friend who's got like multiple degrees and we had a spreadsheet and it looked like a rocket. It looked like a hockey stick. It was like our spreadsheet showed us making money slowly. And then all of a sudden, lots of money. Guaranteed. And I was yeah. like, this thing's going to be amazing. Uh, and I was yeah, like, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah. And we had no plan about how we were going to get customers. We didn't have a, a direct to customer <laughs> path and uh, burned a whole bunch of cash, lost money. It was a catastrophe. Lost my investors. I ended up taking out a second mortgage to pay back my investor. I was just, I felt terrible because it was a friends of mine. And I was like, I just, I'm not that kind of guy. So after that, I was like, I will always gravitate towards find the customer first. If you can't find customers and there's no point adding money to something if, and maybe that's wrong. And I think small, but, and then it makes you more creative. Having a lack of cash makes you have to be creative. It's a great constraint when you can just write a check or bring people like there's so much waste. And so I think that you're very good at avoiding waste. That's why you've been in business so many years and you can run. I don't think people can understand what your, how your model really works. I think that from the outside, they think, oh, they don't know. They don't understand the game you're playing. Like you're playing chess and they're thinking you're playing checkers. And I think that when it comes to managing your business and your money, you have to be on top of it. Like I watch it like a hawk. And if we need cash flow, I get creative, like not creative in like just in like, what do we do to improve cash flow? Or how do we not hire it too fast? And all that stuff I'm paying attention to because I don't want to go raise a bunch of money because I think it would make me lazy, honestly, and make me less creative. So, so it, it's funny, when Scott arrived, I was in the bathroom talking to a, a lender vice president because 
I didn't explain that I was in the bathroom at the time, but that's yeah. that's what you do. It's this like, is an open. This just shows everything. Yeah. This is transparent. Radical transparency. Radical transparency. Like I'm sitting on the toilet and talking to the lending vice president, who's a good friend, and come out and there's Scott and we start talking. It's amazing. And the first things that we started talking about, maybe the second thing after saying hello, was what is the key metric you watch in your business every day? Every day, what is the key metric you watch in your business? What do you look at? And I just looked across at the screen and I said, I see leads coming in right now. I think about leads coming in. Is there enough leads? Are they up? Are they down versus yesterday versus last week? What type of leads? What source of leads? And I just think about it daily. And I said, well, what do you think about? And Scott said, I think about agent acquisition every day, like every single day about is there calls out? Is there relationships being created? Is there people getting signed up? When will they finish being signed up? When will they transition to our brokerage? When will they get going? When will they get licensed? When will we see applications out? So it's fascinating to me that when you talk to some of these guys, well-funded, well, well, the highly funded venture capital funded shops, they will talk to you about all kinds of shit that has is very esoteric and, you know, talking about the future and talking about pivoting and talking about this yeah, and, and that. I hate and, that word pivot. Yeah, yeah, I hate that word pivot. And how and, and talking about these kind of, you know, how the development is moving forward. And then I reflect back on Scott and I, and we literally look at the most basic thing in the world to our mm -hmm. business. It is so basic. It's like farmer, the dairy farmer figuring out how much milk's coming out of the cow that morning. Okay, right. that's the important part. Not necessarily, am I going to meet my quota? I mean, is, you know, we're going to buy new equipment. Are going to do what I'm going to do. No, how much milk came out of the cow this morning? That's what I think about as the baseline. Okay. Yeah. And that's interesting to me. That's the sign of the actual entrepreneur. Kind of don't like that word either, but it's the sign of the people who we have to make this happen on our own. We mm -hmm. have to. Okay. And to me, that's the sign of a successful future is the most basic thing is what obsesses us every day. Right. Just obsesses us. You don't need to watch every number, but there's going to be one or two in your business that are absolutely critical. And you know, leads tie to cash flow. Cause if you got a lead flow problem, you may be fine today, but in 90 days, you'd be like, I got a cash flow problem. And so on average, 63 days. Yeah. So you, <laughs> and you measure to that level, right? So I look at, for us, I'm looking at how many booked calls are we doing a week and then how many people are, joining based on those numbers and so it's like if i push that number up then everything else translates and then on the back end as long as we provide the support then we'll keep the people that are you know meant to be for us but you're obsessed with knowing that number i'm obsessed i'm always checking that number so that to me is a huge contrast and i would you any money that if we talk to the folks who started in this business like even going back to gary morris i'll bet you gary knows how many deals funded last week i mean not every week because some weeks he's just completely overwhelmed yeah. with a bunch of other stuff. And he's taking a break. Okay. Yeah. He's rich. He's successful. Take a break. Get in the helicopter. Off you go. Okay. Yeah. But he knows. He knows base numbers. I guarantee you the people who are playing with their own money know base numbers. They know the key numbers. And people who are dealing with other people's money just talk about a theory. Right. What's going to happen. Talk about what expectations are. Whereas... Other people talk about this is what happened today. 
Right. This will happen absolutely today. So super interesting. Scott, thank you. I just ambushed Scott. I said, okay, Scott, I hear no now. idea. Yeah. I thought, no, hey, let's Although up. you did say we should record this. You yeah, did say that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, did, I, did, okay. I didn't really, I didn't think of it. I just thought turn on the phone and can record it, but I don't have this fancy setup. So this is fantastic. Thank you for having uh, you me. Thank you for having me on as the first guest of your first show. guest. And I watched his first episode that came out. It was fantastic. It's hilarious. And you know, it's a great show. So thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. And if you're a mortgage broker and you want to find out more about what we're doing at Bricks, go to ybrx.com. You can find out more about some of the things that we're doing and our focus on radical transparency, as well as some other cool things that we do by focusing on what our agents need. Uh, check that out. Also, you can go to ilovemortgagebroking.com and check out all the past episodes. Thanks again for listening to the show. Thanks, Ron, for so much for having me on as your first official guest. I really wish you would have started this podcast years ago because it's going to be an awesome one. Go check them out. And thanks again for listening. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.